Be out there. Amen. Well, in a minute, we're going to open the magic folder and see what the Lord gave us. You didn't laugh. You can go home now. Matthew 24. We were in Matthew 15 for a long time looking at kingdom parables. We're going to look at Matthew 24 and 25. There's so much in here that applies to where we are right now. Some last days theology, some signs before the coming of the Lord. Uh, Let's just get to Matthew 24. We're going to be in verse 6 tonight. Just one verse, and we're going to spend the whole time there. Let's thank God for the word, and I'll read you Matthew 24, 6. Father, we just thank you tonight that we can come in the middle of the week and worship you and be refreshed and be in your presence, Lord. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here preparing our hearts, Lord God, as we bring an offering of praise to you. Holy Spirit, let the ground of our heart be good to receive the engrafted word tonight. Let it permeate our minds and our intellect and our emotions and get right down into our spirits tonight. Do a miracle in us and put the word in us so that it changes us from the inside out. We ask that in Jesus' name and the church said, amen. So Matthew 24, uh, verse 6 is our target tonight. Uh, I'm going to read it to you and then we'll do a little recap and we'll hop right in. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now, that's it for tonight, so bow your head, and I want you to listen just with your spirit, and let this get in you, because there is a lot in here that we're going to explore, and uh, we want to be ready to receive it. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now, Matthew 24 and 25, we're looking at these. uh, Jesus continues giving his disciples insight into the kingdom of God with some predictive prophecy. He gives them insight into the tribulation period that's coming. We realize right now we're in the church age. This is the time of the church. And the church is to be the hands and the feet and the mouth of God in the earth, doing the will of God, preaching the gospel to all mankind and making disciples, amen? That's the, that's the mission of the church in the church age in a nutshell. We preach the gospel, we make disciples, we baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we, we train them to be mature Christians who use their gifts and then duplicate themselves, Spiritual reproduction is part of spiritual maturity. So uh, the church age is here, but he gives us insight not only into the church age, but into the tribulation period, which will follow the church age, that seven-year period. He talks about his second coming, as well as giving more kingdom principles in chapter 24 uh, and, and more parables that will help us understand the kingdom. So there's a lot in 24. The last time we were in 24, we covered Jesus' answer to the disciples' question, what would be the signs of his coming? The two things to remember, you and I should be asking God questions. In his presence, at his feet, in the secret place every day, ask the Father the questions of your heart. If you have no questions on your heart, come back at the end of service. I'll smack you in the head and get some questions for God. Who walks into the presence of God and has nothing to say, nothing to ask? Father, what's going on? Father, what should we be doing? Father, what what should be, you know, what's my role? What's my mission today? And so, 
you know, the disciples come and they ask him a question. And because of their boldness, he answers them. And we get to listen in on the answer. And it gives us insight into his coming and the signs of his coming. Because they ask, what will the signs of your coming be? Now, we talked about the first sign of his coming last week was false messiahs, false Christs. If you weren't here last week, uh, that should be online. Get it in you. But the first sign is that there's going to be false messiahs and false Christ. Now, understand something. There's no historical shortage of people who claim to be the Messiah. The Jews have been dealing with this forever. False messiahs, false people claiming to be the Christ. Now, of course, Jesus Christ was the Christ and is the Messiah, but they weren't able to see him and they missed him. On the second time when he returns, they will recognize him. And the Bible says that all of Israel will be saved in a day. What a glorious day that will be. Look, if you don't have a heart for the Jewish people, you don't have the heart of the Father. It's not just about us crazy Gentiles who were grafted in. It's about the root. Say the root. The root of the Jewish people. The salvation is of the Jews, the Bible says. The, the root of Abraham were grafted in. So understand, he's, uh, he's giving the signs here. And the first one is that there's going to be false messiahs. The Jews have always had to deal with them. I listed a bunch of them last time. Uh, also, the church has had to deal with those who claim to be the, the reincarnation, the second coming, the Christ. And there's a lot of craziness out there. Uh, we noted that uh, a lot of what has come so far has not been very convincing. But the sophistication of false Christ is going to increase. Why? How do we know that? Because it says that they will deceive many. So that the sophistication of what they do and how they present themselves and how smooth their speech is and how convincing their theology is going to increase because they're going to deceive many. And the scripture says that if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. That's how smooth and slick these false Christ and false teachers and false prophets will become. Scripture teaches us that they will actually do signs and wonders through the demonic realm, and they'll deceive many people. So if you haven't heard that teaching from last week, get it in you. Uh, now, according to Jesus, the second sign of his coming is our verse tonight. Verse 6, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. This is the second sign of the coming of Jesus Christ. Wars and rumors of wars. Now, as I mentioned in part one of this study on the signs here, most of the signs that are listed are common occurrences in the world and throughout human history. There's always been false messiahs, false Christ, and there's always been wars. War is a perfect example of the fact that these signs and these Things they occur constantly throughout human history. Now, mankind has been killing each other and going to war with one another almost since the beginning of time. And we're going to look at that tonight. But understand, the, the, the thing that makes these convincing that he's coming is not that we have them, but the tempo and the intensity of these things is going to increase, and these signs are going to happen, not one here, one there. They're all going to happen simultaneously, continuously, and at a greater tempo and duration to the point where people are going to be like, what's going on? There's messiahs and false Christs, and there's wars breaking out everywhere, and there's earthquakes, and there's volcanoes in the sea, and this. And what's going on? And it's going to be uh, a point where God will get man's attention. Church, God knows how to get man's attention. God knows how to get the church's attention. A church that's asleep, a church that's lazy, a church that's sinful needs a wake-up call. 
Oh, there's only two people clapping in the front row. Well, the wake-up call is coming because we are asleep, and we are lazy, and we are a mess, and Jesus is coming back for church without spot or wrinkle. Look around at your neighbor and go, you look spotty and wrinkled. I'm just kidding. Have fun with that. You look great out there. I don't have my glasses on, but you look great. So war is the second sign, and wars have gone on all the time. Man has been killing each other, uh, going to war with one another. Uh, As I study this topic and looking at the signs here, historians are in agreement that the first war ever recorded in recorded human history took place in Mesopotamia, 27,000 B.C., between the forces of Sumnar and Elam. This first war recorded in history, an eyewitness war, was the Battle of Megiddo. Now, that should ring a bell to you, but listen to this. Uh, The Battle of Megiddo is the first war recorded in history. It was 1479 B.C. It was between Thomas, the third of Egypt, and the king of Kadesh. Now, what should let the bells go off in your head if you're a student of Bible prophecy, interestingly enough, Revelation 19, 11, 20 talks about the last war, the last battle will also take place on the plain of Megiddo, the battle of Armageddon. Look at that. Humanity bookends itself. It starts war in Megiddo. The last war is fought in Megiddo. And that war, the, the, the armies of the earth and the nations will not only war against each other, but Revelation 19 tells us that they will actually fight against the coming return of Jesus, and he will wipe them out with the sword that comes from his mouth. Come on, read the book of Revelation. Read the book of Revelation, study it. It's an exciting book. It's not spooky. It's not scary. Turn your TV off, put your phone down, open your Bible, and see what's unfolding before our eyes every day. I'm the only one excited. All right, back to my notes. So Revelation 19, 17 through 19, uh, you know, talks about this war. Humanity comes full circle. Look what it says here in Revelation 19. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in midheaven, come, assemble for the great feast of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them and the flesh of all people, both free and slave and small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and the armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. So there's a picture of the last war on the plain of Megiddo, the battle of Armageddon, where the nations of the world actually try to fight against Jesus. Wow. You see how hard the heart of man can become that People are resisting God and fighting God, but yet they're going to become so hard of heart by the end of the tribulation period that they would actually draw their swords to the Lord Jesus Christ. Interesting picture. So according to uh, some historians there, as we're talking about war, we need to understand it. According to Will and Ariel Durant, in their book, Lessons of History, there have only been about approximately 268 scattered years without some kind of war happening on the earth in the last 3,421 years of recorded history. Did you hear that? 
There has hardly been a time where there was not some conflict, some war going on amongst the nations somewhere in the world. Out of 3,421 years, only 268 years of peace. War is not a new thing. War is going on constantly and consistently. You think America is just a young nation, yet in our short time of being a nation, uh, there have only been 15 years of peace for America where we are not in some kind of conflict with another nation. Think about the wars we fought in the last few decades here with Afghanistan and Iraq and, and, and all these places where there's just been constant conflict. So war's not a new thing. It's, uh, you know, kind of a common thing. If there's only 268 years in recorded history where there has been peace and only 15 years of peace for America, war is a very common thing. So uh, the point is that how is this going to be assigned? Again, it will be the tempo and the intensity of such wars. They will happen or break out all over the place. They'll happen simultaneously. They'll catch the attention of mankind and they will warn of the soon return of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus said, you know, that you will hear of wars. There's going to be wars happening. You know, war on your home soil is a lot different than hearing about a war. How many know we've been hearing about Ukraine being at war right now? Now, it's out of the news cycle. It's not on the news shows anymore because it's old news. But there is still war going on between Ukraine and Russia. And... You know, I'm going to get into some of the logistics of some of these things to show, you know, how Bible prophecy is happening in front of us. But uh, understand, you know, these wars that are happening, you know, you got one here, you got one there. But when they're breaking out everywhere, boy, that's going to get the attention of man. Not only are the wars going to get man's attention, but it says here, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Say rumors. Now, rumors are just the, you know, the buildup to a conflict. You know, maybe when you were in school, two kids would get into it in the morning and they say, at lunchtime, me and you on the playground, we're going to dance, right? We got beef, or what did they say when you were in school? Huh? You know, and then what they would do is they, you know, after school or at lunchtime, come on, some of you are from the city, you know, this happened every day, they get into a fight. But the rumors and the buildup and the trash talk and the tension building up to the fight was sometimes worse than the fight. There's an old saying, I'm not sure who said it, but fear of death or anticipation of death is worse than death itself. So when they're talking about these rumors of war, understand, you say, well, what's the big deal? It's just a rumor. Listen, war creates incredible anxiety and stress on mankind but rumors create almost as much if not more anxiety in the buildup and so it's significant that jesus says you're going to hear about wars there's going to be wars and then there's going to be rumors of wars and these rumors they will trouble the nations they will vex governments they will bring stress upon mankind they're going to create anxiety in the hearts of men and the very threat that war creates will bring turmoil all over the earth right now there are threats and rumors of war uh, all around i'm going to cover some of those tonight you know some of us are blissfully ignorant of what's going on but i want to tell you it's a perilous time that we're in right now I didn't, I didn't get you out here on Wednesday night to scare you. I just want your eyes to open to realize the signs are occurring. Whether we ignore them or not or we don't see them or not, they are occurring. And so you need to be privy. But 
Wars and rumors of wars, all the tension and anxiety and stress that war creates among the nations, it will be a sign of Jesus' return. I want you to think about all the arms races that are occurring all over the globe right now. Nations are threatened, and they're threatened by some rogue nations that are out there I'm going to discuss, but they are building up their militaries, and they're spending billions and trillions of dollars on their national defense. Some nations' uh, GDP, so much of it is spent on national defense. Uh, I think no more nation than America. I mean, we spend so much money on preparing for war to keep us ahead so that we're not attacked by our enemies. You realize where your tax dollars are going, they're going in preparation uh, for national defense. Now, there are arms races going on, and there are billions and trillions of dollars being spent. And, and, you know, there's existential threats out there, countries that have thermonuclear arsenals that can destroy the world many times over. You've got these nations out there that, you know, are, are really just ramping up and spending tons of money on weapons development. You have China, and China is putting so much money into their navy. Their navy is now bigger than the United States Navy. They have more planes than us, China. You say, well, who cares? Well, you're not very smart if you don't care because uh, in case you don't know this newsflash, they are not our friends. And they have a manufacturing base that is so massive it rivals ours during World War II. And if you know anything about World War II, the reason we won is because we outmanufactured the axes of evil. We outmanufactured, uh, you know, Germany and Italy and Japan, and we beat them by attrition. Now, China is in that position. We have Russia that has the biggest nuclear arsenal on the face of the earth. They can't fight worth a lick with conventional warfare, but they have incredible submarines and they have incredible nukes. You didn't think you were going to hear this on Wednesday night. We're talking about war tonight. We're going to cover the topic. We have North Korea that is developing its ICBM missile program. Uh, we have Iran, who is now the biggest manufacturer of drones. And drones have changed the face of warfare. They are a huge problem for missile defense systems. They're a huge problem for Israel. And Iran is leading the world in drone manufacture. So right now, there's a technological arms race happening between the West and all the rest of the world. Now, we are behind with hypersonic glide missiles. We're behind with stealth technology. We just, if you're paying attention to the news, just released a new stealth bomber that is head and shoulders above what anybody else has had. But listen, we're behind in some of these things. Because America has grown lax and it's gotten fat, dumb, and happy. And we're arguing about which bathroom our kids should go in. And we're arguing about what, how many genders there are. And we're arguing about, you know, uh, you know wh whether we should abort babies up to the day of birth and, and all of this nonsense. And the rest of the nations are preparing for war. Wake up, America. The devil hates this nation that propels the gospel, that finances missions, that uh, preaches the gospel in a way that, you know, evangelizes the world, and yet we have fallen asleep. And here are these countries that are ahead of us. China is outspending and outpacing us right now. Russia has hypersonic technology we don't have. Iran is beating us in drones. While the nations spend like drunken sailors to stay ahead of their aggressors, children go to bed hungry every night. 
Think about the billions and trillions we spend figuring out how, how to protect ourselves or, you know, other nations, how to overtake us. I mean, think about all that money that's spent and, and children are going to bed hungry and people are starving and, and, a, and a big percentage of the world live in abject poverty. It's a sad thing. We're spending all this money. North Korea is literally starves its people. If they can smuggle pictures out of North Korea, their soldiers are emaciated to the point where they look like soldiers that were coming out of Nazi concentration camps in World War II. Their skin and bones, while their nation spends trillions on their uh, missile program to bolster it so that they can you know, saber rattle and threaten the West. War and rumors of war. Now, you say, well, why are we talking all about this in church? Because we need to understand it's a sign. And if we're not paying attention to the sign, well, I didn't want to know about glide missiles and nuclear submarines and aircraft carriers. Well, those are the weapons of war, and war is a sign of his coming, and the nations are ramping up for war. If you're wondering if these wars will ever come to an end, the good news is they will. Is anybody happy about that? You mean we've had all this war and relatively no peace in 15 years for America and 200 plus years for the whole world and, and when's it going to end, Pastor Rick? Well, it's going to end. War will come to an end. There finally will be an end of war and there, then every beauty pageant contestant that asks for world peace is going to get their wish. I wish for world peace. Well, honey, you're going to get world peace but it's when the Prince of Peace comes back to rule upon the earth. Amen. There is no peace without the Prince of Peace. There is no end of war until Jesus rules the nations with a rod of iron. War will come to an end, and it will finally stop, but it will come when Jesus comes to set up his millennial kingdom. Now, Isaiah prophesied of a time where there would be no more war, no more armies, no more spending money on weapons to kill one another, that all of that would cease. Listen to Isaiah 2.4. And he will judge between the nations. Who's he? Say it loud. It starts with a G and ends with an Jesus. Who is, who is it? He will judge between the nations and will mediate for many peoples. And they will beat their swords into plowshares. Look at that. No more need for weapons. And their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up a sword against nation, and never again will they learn war. Wow. Amen. Somebody's getting it tonight. There's going to come a time, and Jesus eradicates that there'll be no armies, there'll be no training for war, there'll be no military, there'll be no conflict, there'll be no weapons of war, there'll be no need for them anymore. Why? Because war has been eliminated by the Prince of Peace, who rules the nations with a rod of iron. You say, when's it going to happen? Well, he's going to return, amen? What are the signs of it? One of them are false messiahs, and the other are wars and rumors of wars. So let's look a little bit more what's going on here. Verse 6 continues. He's not finished yet. We see that there's an end to war, but right now the nations are preparing for war. Verse 6 continues as Jesus tells us how to respond to wars and rumors of war. To see that you are not troubled. That's not a misprint. He really said that. 
I don't know anything more serious than armed conflict between nations. I don't know anything that gets the attention of man more than war coming to the soil of your nation. Could you imagine today if we were at war with one of the nations I mentioned and they were going to attack our homeland? Could you imagine the stress and anxiety it would create? If you can't, you need, you know, to just hit yourself with some ice and wake up because you know, when your life is on the line, when your children are called up and drafted to fight, when your nation is on full alert. This is what Ukraine is going through right now. We here in the Western are a little bubble, and we don't even feel what they're going through. But at the end of this tonight, we're going to pray for that nation, and I hope we can feel what they're going through, and I hope that we can uh, storm the gates of heaven with our petitions for peace to take place between these two nations that are in conflict right now. But understand, uh, you know, Jesus' recommendation, his counsel, he, he tells us how to respond. He says, see that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So let's take a look at that. You know, like I said, I can't think of anything more troubling than your nation going to war. You know, most Americans, again, uh, this is a little wake-up call, are a little oblivious of how close we are to World War III tonight. You know, most of you, this was not even on your radar tonight. And judging by the looks on your faces, you wish that you stayed home, but you're here. So I got you. So I'm going to tell you the truth. We don't even realize how close we are, literally a breath away, a heartbeat away from a volatile nuclear exchange with Russia. Russia is already threatened. If you're paying attention, they are in desperate situation in Ukraine. They're not winning the conventional conflict. They threaten to use nukes. They have nuclear submarines patrolling all off our coasts. And there's back-channel dialogue going back and forth, and there's pressure. You guys stop giving them weapons, or we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And America doesn't even realize it, how carelessly we have stumbled into a position where we're at odds with literally the second greatest nuclear power on the face of the earth. And we're a heartbeat away from a nuclear exchange. You say, oh, it's not going to happen. Well, I pray to God it doesn't, but we're close. And in the case you, you know, well, maybe you, you noticed the Russia thing, but we are literally a heartbeat away from a naval and air battle with China over Taiwan. Right now, Taiwan is under threat from communist China. Taiwan use, makes a lot of our technology, a lot of our chips, and we have vowed to defend them if China strikes. China is making uh, planes and aircraft carriers and submarines. They're pumping them out there like you would not believe. And they said if we get involved, we're going to be at war. Uh, the, the military, strate uh, you know, they're strategizing of how this is going to go out, and it would be a bloody, horrible naval air conflict between the two nations. And we've got two things on the horizon here that are very serious for America. Some people say, well, America's not mentioned much in Bible prophecy. I, I wonder why that is. You know, some people see it different, but we need to be praying for our nation. The hearts of our, our people in this nation are desperately wicked. The candidates that are winning elections on, on the platforms of abortion and uh, immorality and and gender confusion, they're winning time after time. Why? Because the hearts of the people are wicked. How much is God going to take? If he doesn't judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. We need to be praying for our country. Now, I'm not trying to scare you. I just want you to see what's going on. 
Because you and I need to be students of Bible prophecy. We need to be looking for the coming of the Lord. We need to be aware of what's going on in the nations, and we need to recognize the signs of the time. And if what I'm telling you tonight uh, is, was never even on your radar, uh, you know, I pray it motivates you to pray for this nation and the people of this nation and the morality of this nation. We need national repentance, and we need it quick. So these are the things that are on the horizon. These are the wars and the rumors of wars. If we're paying attention, if we're not paying attention, these signs are happening all around us. Jesus' counsel when facing war is to not be troubled. Now, not being afraid of all that war entails, the atrocities, the horrific nature, the death, the loss of our, you know, our children. Think about, the, think about the children that Ukrainian mothers and Russian mothers are grieving for. Hundreds of thousands on both sides. So sad, so unnecessary, so wicked, yet it's happening in front of us. And many of us don't want to look and, and we feel powerless to stop it, but we, we've got to understand it's a sign of the time. Jesus says, don't be troubled. Basically, don't be afraid. How is it possible to face such things and not be afraid? Can we, can we just be honest tonight? If it was us, if we were in Ukraine, I don't know about you, but I'd be afraid, you know, and I'd be afraid of, you know, losing, you know, my life, my son's lives, all of these things. It, it's a fearful thing. And so Jesus says, don't be afraid. He Don't be troubled. How is that even possible to, to face such things without crippling fear? I'll give you three ways. Number one, we need a loose grip on this life. Did you hear what I say to you? We need a loose grip on this life. Oh, I got all these plans and I got all these desires and I, I got all this bucket list and, you know, I'm going to retire and I'm going to travel and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, we, and sometimes we've got too much of a grip on this life. We've got too much invested in this life. And when the signs come and the trouble comes and the wars come, you know, are we going to hold on to Jesus or are we going to hold on to our plans? We need a loose grip on this life. The only way we could face any of these things without fear is to already have one foot in heaven and looking for his coming with a loose grip on this life. Number two, we need a firm grip on the promises of God. As much as we need to be loose in our grip with this world, we need to have a tight grip on the promises of God, that he's a good God, that he's a gracious God, that he's a merciful God, that he'll perfect what concerns us, that he's going to take care of us, that he's going to provide for us, that he's going to protect us. So a loose grip on this world and a firm grip on the promises of God. And number three, the last thing we need is a death grip on Jesus. You know the woman with the issue of blood? She had a death grip on the hem of his garment. And she, she pushed through that crowd, and she went to every doctor, and she spent everything she had. But she grabbed hold of Jesus and wasn't letting go until he touched her. And virtue came out of him and into her, and she didn't let go until he touched her. So that's the kind of grip we need on Jesus. Not that we got that kind of grip on this life. You know, we are trusting in the promises of God, but we're trusting everything in Jesus. We're betting our eternal soul on him. We're looking for his coming, and we're trusting whatever comes our way, he's going to take care of us and protect us and provide for us. And the worst thing that life can do to us is kill us and send us into his arms for eternity. So a loose grip on the world, a firm grip on the word, 
and a death grip on Jesus. Hold on tight. Hold on tight to Jesus. Notice Jesus tells his followers, disciples, he's telling them these things must come to pass. Now, Jesus would say a lot of things like that to his disciples, and they, they didn't want to hear it. Peter especially didn't want to hear when Jesus talked about the fact that he was going to be killed and he was going to be nailed to a cross and he would rise again. They didn't want to hear it, but he told them anyway. And so, you know, he's telling them, you know, don't be afraid. Don't come unglued. Don't, you know, lose your mind. These things must come to pass. Now, what does that mean to us? That means as we see these signs coming and we see Uh, the false Christ and the false messiahs and the false spiritualists, and we see the wars and the rumors of war, we should find joy that we are living in times where the scripture is coming to pass right in our sight. We We should have joy. Oh, I'm scared, Pastor Rick. You're scaring me tonight. I'm not coming back on Wednesday night anymore. We should find joy in this, amen? Jesus is returning. These things must come to pass. It's got to happen. So let it happen. Why? Because on the other side of it is the return of Christ. So we should find joy that we're living in times that the apostles never saw, the church fathers never saw, the pillars in the church and the Reformation movement, all the great preachers and the revivalists. and They never saw any of this, but we are seeing it before our very eyes. So take joy. Uh, These things must come to pass. Number two, we should feel peace in the fact that God's seen everything that's coming and he's made a way for us. Don't be scared. God knows what's coming. Well, I don't know what's coming and you you said a lot of things tonight and now I'm not going to sleep. Trust the Lord. He's seen it all and he's made a way for us. Again, read the book of Revelation. Look, when the church is taken out and God's attention is on Israel, the Antichrist is going to try and completely annihilate them, but he takes them to a place and he protects them in Petra and the Antichrist and the false prophet and the beast can't even touch them right in the middle of the tribulation. Look, if God takes care of Israel that way, he's going to take care of his church that way, amen. We can trust him, so feel peace. Find joy, feel peace, and number three, these things must come to pass. We should take comfort in the fact that these conflicts happening will hasten the coming of Jesus Christ. Now listen, the conflicts, the wars and the rumors of war, as they begin to accelerate, we should take comfort in that. Why? Because they are hastening Jesus' coming and the church is going. Did you hear that? He's coming, but we're going. The return of the Lord will take place in two parts. First, he'll meet us in the air. He'll come, his, he'll come not to earth, but he'll come in the air and catch up the church and take us home with him. And the second part of his second coming is that he's going to come to earth and set his foot down in, in that place in the Middle East at the Dome of the Rock there where he's going to set up his millennial kingdom. And that's when Israel is going to see him and receive him as Messiah. Exciting stuff. Now, if you're not clapping, I I pray the Lord leaves you here in the rapture. But his coming hastens our going, and that's a good thing. So take comfort in it, feel peace, find joy. Jesus is in charge. God is not surprised by any of this. These things must come to pass. Now, one last insight about wars and rumors of war uh, before we take a time to pray for Ukraine. But... The last thing that is said here, and we don't want to miss it, it says, these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. 
Did you hear that? So he's saying wars are going to happen, rumors of war are going to happen, but the end is not yet. It's a sign, it's a birth pang, it's a precursor, but it's not the end. And what I want you to see is wars will come and they will be a sign of Jesus' return. But no matter how crazy the military conflicts become between nations, the world will not end in war. It will end when Jesus comes back on the earth. And we know this because it clearly says, but the end is not yet. All these people, oh, we're going to destroy the world, and oh, we're going we're to nuke ourselves into oblivion and all this stuff. That's never going to happen. There might be nuclear exchanges. There might be nations fall. There might be shifts in power, but we're not going to destroy everything. Why? Because Jesus is coming back to rule and reign on the earth, and the book of Revelation lays out exactly what's going to happen. It's not going to be global warming. It's not going to be because you drive an SUV. It's not because the cows are farting and you eat steak. Come on. Come on. Come on, this is God's world. He's in charge. He's laid out exactly how he's going to deal with these things. Man is not con- in control. We are not God. We, we, we are not going to save the planet. It's not our planet. It's his planet. You know, these secular, hedonistic, new age philosophies have so permeated our world that I think half of the church believes it. Again, Read the book of Revelation, and it lays out step by step how God is going to deal with this planet. He's going to judge the world. He's going to judge man. He's going to judge the nations, and he's going to do it uh, precisely as he's laid it out in Scripture. So there are going to be wars. They're going to be a sign of his coming, but they will not be the end of the world. The end is not yet. All of these signs should make us look up to heaven and say, Come quickly, Lord Jesus. <laughs> All of these signs you'd say, Lord, remember me. Don't forget about me, Lord. Yoo-hoo. I'm here. I'm looking for you. I got oil in my lamp. Amen. And so the second sign is war. Now, I can't see the clock, and that's a real dangerous thing. If somebody could tell me the time. It's 8 o'clock, so we've got some time. Um, I have three points of prayer. Um, If I can get the microphone, um, I'm going to ask someone to lead us in prayer for, in fact, why don't you keep it down there and see see who grabs it. But um, I want us to pray for Ukraine tonight because it is a war that's happening right in our midst, and it's something that, you know, it hurts the heart of God, and I want us to pray for the Ukrainian people. Uh, And I have three points of prayer tonight. The first point of prayer is this. I want us to pray for the Ukrainian and Russian families that have lost sons and daughters. Who would like to pray for that? Don't be shy. Come on, chickens. Come on, come on up. Megan's coming. She's slow, so you might. Is it me? I can't see. It's Colleen. I told you I didn't have my glasses on. Come on, Colleen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Let's get in an attitude of prayer, and let's pray for the Ukrainian and Russian families that have lost sons and daughters. Lord God, we we come before you, Lord God, and we lift up both these nations. Lord, we lift up the families, the mothers and fathers who have lost their children, Lord God, in this this war, Lord God. We ask that you would comfort them like nobody else can, Lord God. 
We thank you, Father God, that you know their hearts, Lord, and you can touch them and comfort them exactly where they are. I'm asking right now, right this second, Lord God, that you would go and you would bring um, angels, if you have to, yeah. Lord God, or people, um, just to comfort them, Lord God, in this loss. And Father, help them to look to you and nothing else, Father God. And we just ask, Lord God, that you, and plead the blood of Jesus over them, Lord mm -hmm. God. And I thank you for what you're going to do in and through them, Lord God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Colleen, I want to pray over you. I felt as you were praying. If you don't know, Colleen's son uh, is a son of our church here. He was raised up here. He's an Army Ranger, and he's active duty. So in the defense of our nation, he's put his life on the line many times. So we're going to just pray for Christopher. Extend your hands toward her. Father, we thank you for our men and women that serve to defend our nation, to defend our families. Lord, we lift Christopher up to you, Lord God. And Father, we pray that you cover him uh, with the anointing and with the blood of Jesus. Father, that wherever he goes, wherever he's deployed, whatever his mission is, Father, that the angels of God would be around him. Lord God, I know this mother has prayed for her son as he has defended our nation and as she prayed, prayed for the mothers and fathers of other nations. We lift her up to you that you would give her peace and that you would protect Christopher as he protects us. Lord, we thank you for those who serve and we pray, Lord God, that you would give them good, godly, solid leadership. Father, that uh, wherever they're deployed and wherever they're in action, Father, they would uh, be under the covering of God and the covering of God godly men. Father, I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise tonight. Amen. So the second thing I want us to pray for is for the protection of the true Christian church that's caught in the middle of the war. Realize in both nations, there are believers who love Jesus. And uh, the church many times gets caught in the middle of conflict. And uh, we need to pray for the church that God protects the church. Who are you coming, Dawn? Lord Jesus, we just come before you, Father God. We just lift them up before you, Lord, and we pray, God, your anointing over them and your peace and your presence, that you would encourage them, Father God. There was years ago, Father, when I worked there, Lord God, you were there and I felt your presence and I know God that you are there today with them that you are walking with them and I pray Lord God that you um, would protect them Father God as they're trying to bring the word of God out to those Father God that are in need Lord God with warmth with not having heat and with not having food I pray God that you would protect them protect the families Lord God and their children and most importantly that they would Seek you and come to know you, Lord, as Lord and Savior, that you would bring them peace, God, yes. and your presence, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Third thing that I wanted to have us pray for tonight, well, is the, for the quick end of the killing of civilians. You know, war is supposed to be between armies. But as we're seeing in this conflict here, civilians are being purposely targeted. And uh, winter is setting in in Ukraine now, and the risk of people starving to death or freezing to death is really big. And so would someone pray for the protection and the end of the killing of civilians? Come on up, Tim. Thanks.
praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Father God. Lord, we know that the devil can use the things that affect the innocent for his purposes, but we know that you have greater purpose, Lord God. We know that you don't purpose for innocents to suffer, Lord. So we pray a hedge of protection around those civilians who are being targeted by uh, a political regime who has no godly purpose behind it. Lord God, I pray that you would speak to these civilians, speak to their hearts. May you just uh, um, help them to allow you to come in and rest there, Lord God, to be with them. And, and Lord God, when, when your protection does come on them, may you receive the glory. May, may that be a starting point for revival in yes. the Ukraine, in Russia, and Lord God, that that revival would speak not just to the innocent civilians, but to the leaders and to the world. Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will, not ours. But Lord, we know that when we're in your word and you're speaking to us, we know that your will is for these innocent civilians. So Lord, we just lift that up to you and we know that you hear the fervent prayers of your righteous saints in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The last thing I wanted us to pray for is that God would move on the hearts of all the leadership involved, that they would stop the conflict and find a peace deal. Because that's been floated out there, but there's resistance from all kinds of parties for all the wrong reasons. So if we could pray that God would somehow broker a peace so that the killing and the war would stop, let's pray for that. Who would like to pray? Come on, Gooch. Amen. Father, half of the things that we hear in the news and that we see on the radio, here on the radio or CNTV, we can't trust. Mm. All we could do is speculate, God. But you speak to your people. Mm. You speak to your, our leaders mm. that serve you. And you reveal to them nuggets, Lord of where to energize us, Lord, to focus our attention and prayer on. And you've moved in this man, Lord, to call us to pray for these specific things, God. So we trust by faith, Lord, that you're moving in him to energize us, Lord, to come before your throne, to, to attack these purposes in prayer. And one of these, Lord, that you moved in his heart is for us to pray for, the, pray for those leaders in place, Lord that have brought their people to this place, yes. God. Yes. For whatever reason it is, Lord, we pray like Tim just prayed, that you move in those hearts, yes. Lord. Move in their hearts, Lord God. Beyond what they even can comprehend, Lord, to bring glory to you in a way that astounds the world. Mm. That nobody can have an excuse or an explanation for what has taken place, Lord. But this house here will testify to the prayers that we've prayed tonight. That you have moved, Lord, when we see what you will do in these places, Lord. So we bring this to you and we, we, we wait for your glory to be revealed, Lord. Yes. Father, tonight we come to you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for these verses here, for verse 6 tonight.
And even though it's a startling topic and, Father, maybe it's been a little jarring to us tonight, Lord God, I pray that we have awakened in our spirit, Lord, to look at the signs that are all around us that show us your coming. Father, we pray for the nations of the world that they would be prepared for the churches of the world, that they would be prepared to meet you as you come. Lord, I pray for America, that we would have national repentance from our sin and our wickedness and how we've drifted from the moorings that made us a great nation. And Father, I pray that you would give us repentance and revival so that judgment could be averted. Father, open the eyes of your people, of your saints, to see the perilous times that we're in and to, Father, to be in our prayer closets Father, not, not drunken with the distractions of this world, but praying for your mercy and your grace on this nation and on the nations of the world, that we would prepare ourselves for your coming and that we would pray about all these wars that are taking so many lives, many of them not ready to go into eternity, yet they're stumbling into eternity without Christ. And so, Father, we pray for your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Give him praise tonight.